0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle.
1: And this is your host, Peter. Hello and welcome to Funk Radio. Hello. Radio. Radio. (laughs) That was fun.
0: So, recently, I was watching uh, the 1980s movie with Kurt Russell, Big Trouble in Little China. Have you ever seen that movie, Peter?
1: I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though.
0: Um, I forgot how ridiculous it is. And it's definitely a must-watch it basically makes fun of, I guess, Kung Fu movies. Oh, uh, okay. But there's a character in the movie that he wears like a straw hat and he shoots lightning. And I'm like 90% sure that they ripped that character off for Mortal Kombat, the game. And uh, now okay. I want to research that. Maybe that'll be the episode, our next episode. <laughs> We're just completely music adjacent now. We don't even talk about it anymore. Hmm. But yeah, that movie it's got Kurt Russell in his 1980s action hero prime. Hmm. I definitely recommend it if you can find it. It's super campy, but it's like the quintessential 80s crap movie. So, hmm. yeah, it's got a lot of famous Asian actors in it too. So yeah, do that. Um we're not talking about well, that today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Um but I expect that you brought that up, Kyle, because you have an excellent segue from that into our real topic.
0: Oh, why'd you have to put all the pressure on me? Um, just like Kurt Russell, this podcast is the last thing that Walt Disney whispered before he died, which is actually <laughs> kind of true. Um,
1: was Kurt Russell the last thing he said?
0: Yes. I I'd I Do you remember I'm, what
1: the context was? Uh,
0: I have to Google this. Uh, oh, okay, I guess Kurt Russell had signed a 10-year contract with the studio. Blah, blah, blah. Walt Disney died in 1966 when Kurt Russell was still a teenager. Uh, in a recent interview that he said, quote, They pulled me into the office a couple of years after he died, and this woman, who I don't believe it was his secretary, but it might have been, I don't know, uh, pointed to something he wrote, and she said, Do you know that what that's about? And I said, No, I don't. She said, quote, Because he wrote something after it, but then he went back up and he wrote your name, and that was the last thing he wrote. And I said, oh gee, I don't know what that's connected to. So, I guess it's true, but Kurt Russell doesn't know why. So that's interesting.
1: And he didn't necessarily say it, he wrote it.
0: Yeah, so it kind of evolved into like an urban legend, I guess. I just Uh, imagine it's like Rosebud or something, but with Kurt Russell. Hmm. uh
1: and apparently Walt Disney also so maybe he wrote Kurt Russell but then he his last words were funk radio
0: <laughs> exactly um so what That still Walt, doesn't get us into
1: our topic for today. a
0: little a little bit um Walt Disney and the Disney company does have to do with our topic so what we're going to talk about today is something we came up with last episode because that's what we do now um
1: we've done that for a while
0: <laughs> you too, shake um And we're going to talk about the history of the public domain and adjacently the history of copyright in the United States.
1: Yeah, we were going to originally just do the public domain, but then I guess when you were researching this, you kind of figured out they're basically parallel.
0: Yeah, because the public domain's existence is due to copyright law, it makes more sense to talk about copyright law and how how it's evolved to kind of explain why things are or are not in the public domain right so first off what is the public domain uh the public domain consists of all creative work to which no exclusive intellectual property rights apply those rights may have been expired forfeited waived or just maybe in inapplicable um so
1: basically nobody owns it.
0: yeah uh some easy examples of things that are in public domain because they were created at a time before the concept even existed, are, say, the works of William Shakespeare or the the comp- compositions of Beethoven or Mozart or whatever. Hmm. A lot of really early silent films from, like, the early 19, 19, 1900s are in the public domain just because of the fact that they were created before copyright existed or because they're so old that whatever copyright they may have had in their, you know... 1910s uh had yeah. expired
1: now something that we should i guess touch on just based on my own, my own knowledge of this is that for example um beethoven's compositions themselves are in the public domain but like a recording of a symphony playing those compositions can very well be copyrighted
0: yeah exactly if like the london philharmonic did it and then put out a cd or whatever of their of yeah Beethoven, then it would be considered copyright because they were performing the the music. Yeah, it, it's there's a whole bunch of legal gray stuff we'll get into with that. Yeah. So where did the concept of copyright and public domain and all this shit come from? Although the term domain um, didn't actually really come into legal use until like the mid-18th century, the concept can actually be traced back to ancient Roman law um, it's as a Preset system that included property rights system. So basically, the concept of uh, imminent domain, or public domain, things that are in the public square or private property can be traced all the way back to hmm. the time of Caesar and little Caesars. So it's <laughs> pizza, pizza.
1: So it's actually uh, it was. Are you saying that back then it was uh, pertained largely to actual property, like public spaces?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Back then, okay. the concept of a domain was basically land. Um,
1: so the public domain was like the the forum where everybody would gather around and, you know, do their breakdancing and all that. It,
0: it, yeah, exactly. Or make pizza. Um, even though this whole concept started, you know, in ancient Rome, we're going to mostly stick to how it pertains to the U.S. because we live here. And freedom uh
1: well, and also, I think you could do like a whole episode probably on every country's own individual yes. it, rules yeah, with this because exactly. I know it does vary kind of widely from country to country,
0: so regarding the history of u s copyright law, it actually dates its origins back to what's called the British Statute of Anne. And that statute actually influenced the first federal copyright law. So, first off,
1: oh, I thought I said statue. statute, statute, statute. Did I? Okay, <laughs> yeah,
0: statute, not statue. And I was Sorry. like, oh, I didn't
1: realize the first copyright issue was because of a statue. Man, <laughs> I am following along great.
0: Some some ladies like, wait a second, you guys can't use my image without <laughs> my consent. Shut up, man! You're part of the public domain. <laughs> so. The British Statute of St. Anne was, I guess, passed or whatever, uh, whatever they did in 1710 before government. Um, The full title of the act is, quote, an act for the encouragement of learning by vesting the copies of printed books in the authors or purchasers of such copies during the times therein mentioned. Basically, it was a copyright law for books and the copying of books, because that's all that existed back then. Based on this law, the U.S. passed the Copyright Act of 1790. And this law established the length of copyright uh, as 14 years. So, once something is created by an artist or a musician or a composer or an author or whatever, they have the sole right to basically distribute that work... For an X number of years, after that time, that good. Basically, anyone can. It's free game. Yeah, exactly. And it's anybody like, can make money off it. It's kind of like in medicine, where like you know they invent a medicine, and then eventually, after its patent expires, it becomes over the counter, and you can get it for way cheaper. It's kind of like right. that, except less stupid. So yeah, the the original Copyright Act of 1790 made the copyright. Uh, lifespan, I guess, very short. It was 14 years, with the ability to renew it once for another 14. Um, so if the person was still alive, basically, or their estate was still alive, they could renew it once.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the life expectancy back then was like 10 years, so...
0: Uh, you're not far off. It was, it was like 40-something. So, 50 years later, I guess, in, what, 18 math hard... 1840 40. it was then changed to have a full span of 28 years and then renewable you know once more to another 28 so that okay. stated that stayed in place in America for 180 years
1: damn
0: <laughs> yeah and it didn't actually change again at least as far as extending the lifespan of a copyright until the Copyright Act of 1976, which then expanded it to 75 years, or the life of the author, plus 50. I guess, whichever is longer. Um, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. And then, in 1998, there was two more major laws that were passed that we're going to get into pretty deep. So, going back, I guess... Tying this a little bit back into at least, you know, the music side of things, U.S. copyright laws actually distinguish, and this is kind of what you were talking about, Peter, um, with the difference between, say, Beethoven and then someone performing Beethoven. Right. Um, It says that U.S. copyright laws distinguish between musical compositions and sound recordings, the former of which refers to melody, notation, and or lyrics created by a composer and or lyricist which includes things like sheet music, and the latter referring to a recording performed by an artist, which can be on, say, a record or a CD or a digital sound file. So right. that, that, you kind of got to that point a little bit when you were talking about Beethoven. Basically, um, the composer of a piece of music has holds different rights than, say, the person performing that music. I think a lot of that having to do with the fact that you know for a very long time the way music was created was there was a composer who wrote it and then there was an orchestra that performed it so it was kind of like a like two different systems well
1: yeah beethoven's like i'm not gonna do this shit all by myself y'all do it
0: yeah he's like he's like fuck i'm deaf i can't do this shit (laughs) he's like i can't even hear you guys he was known for saying but as music has evolved, and often people that create write the music are often the one also can be the ones performing it. It's it became a whole legal spaghetti. Um, musical compositions uh, fall under the same general rules as other works like movies or written work, where anything published prior to 1922 is considered public domain in the U.S. That's why. You're able to, like, go on, I don't know, like, U.S. government websites or whatever and find, like, super old recordings of, like, you know, big band songs from, like, the, you know, 1910s or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the hell music was back then. Uh, I just assumed it was a guy blowing into a jug. I don't know. Uh,
1: (laughs) There's probably some of that.
0: However, sound recordings uh, are subject to slightly different rules, and are not eligible for the public domain until na- till between the years 2021 and 2067, uh, depending on the date or and location of the publishing.
1: Oh, so, so the actual recordings are still... Because I, I always thought that even like recordings of music from back then was in the public domain. Were you just saying that only the compositions?
0: The compositions, yeah, the compositions are in the public domain. Where, if if someone wanted to record it and just put it out there for free, they absolutely could. Uh, there's no, there's nothing keeping them from doing that. But any recordings that people would still want to monetize right. are able to be monetized until the year twenty between twenty twenty one and twenty sixty seven, depending on is, when it was. Exactly. Okay. Which is a very long time away.
1: <laughs> now, you did bring up something that I at least want to touch on very quickly that we should Mm -hmm. clarify is that people can choose to put stuff in the public domain at any time.
0: Yeah. If you make something and you just want to give it away for free, like, like you're a musical Jonas Hulk, you can absolutely do that. Uh, obviously because hashtag capitalism, most people don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. But you, you can absolutely do that though, for a variety of reasons. Um, but that just, uh, doesn't give you the option to monetize it ever if you ever later want to.
0: True. Uh, As I mentioned before, there were two major copyright acts that were passed within the last 50 years that dramatically changed the landscape, I guess, of copyright law in the U.S., um, partially due to the evolution of technology and music uh, and obviously the evolution of the internet. We'll get into that in a sec. Um, but also kind of partially because as American culture gravitated more around artistic creations like music and movies and, and television, the creators of those works started realizing, like, wait, I, you know, I need more legal protections for myself when I create these things to keep them from. Being ripped off by other people or, or, you know, distributed without my knowledge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first act that I mentioned, the Copyright Act of 1976, before that act was passed, the last major copyright law was it passed in 1909. So, hmm. wow. very long time before that. This was the copyright act that extended the copyright period to 28 years.
1: Oh, it was that one, okay.
0: And then you can extend it once more for another 28 years to have a maximum of 56 years. Hmm. So, okay. And when they were bringing the act up for discussion in Congress, they noted that due to extensive technological advances that had occurred since the adoption of the 1909 Act, things like television, motion pictures, radio, the act was designed to kind of address intellectual property uh, questions that had been raised due to these new forms of communication.
1: So basically in 1976, they were like, hey, shit has changed a lot in the last 70 years. Mm -hmm. Which it did. And the ways that we communicated pretty much exploded in the 20th century. So that makes sense that they would do that.
0: True. So yeah, basically between 1909 and 1976, the copyright, the absolute longest a copyright could be is fifty six years. Hmm. And I think as artists and whatever basically, you know, were almost outliving their copyright in some instances, depending on, you know, when they created those works, started to see like, okay, maybe we need to extend this period. This act extended it to fifty years or no, I'm sorry. Uh seventy five years or fifty years after the author's death.
1: Okay, so this is the one you mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, I guess it, it's interesting enough it also established the transfer of ownership of copyrights which kind of was still like a gray area back then.
1: Oh, uh, okay. So like if if a singer dies,
0: yeah, if the rights go back to their estate or to their next of kin or whatever.
1: Yeah, so that they um, they can retain the rights to that stuff. That exactly.
0: Sense. Exactly. So yeah, the, basically the the Copyright Act of 1976 just kind of Codified some things that, you know, up until that point were kind of, you know, gray areas, while also extending the copyright lifespan of a work to basically double what it was before, roughly. Let's take a little break from me talking about things that I don't know about. Uh. (laughs) Don't tell the listeners. (laughs) Welcome to Funk Radio.
1: So... Since we usually can't play full songs on this show because of copyright stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll try to find something in the public domain that might be nice to listen to.
0: So that 1976 law obviously stood in place uh, up until 1998. And a lot of shit happened in 1998 because Space Jam. Bill Clinton.
1: Or was that 96?
0: I think that was 96. I was going to say Monica Lewinsky, but... <laughs> <laughs> of course, my yeah. Monica There was two acts passed in 1998. One was called the Copyright Term Extension Act, and the other was the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, uh, and it t- it's, it's kind of complicated, but basically the Digital Millennium Copyright Act was basically a sort of U.S. law that kind of implemented these treaties that were passed by what's called the World Intellectual Property Organization. It's an agency of the U.N. that was created back in 1967 to quote... Encourage creative activity to promote the protection of intellectual prop- intellectual property throughout the world.
1: So, is the so in basic terms, is this basically the
0: UN saying? It's Like the UN's copyright division? Yeah,
1: it's basically. I I would assume that their idea behind this is that intellectual property, to some extent, is a like a basic human right, if you will,
0: and a and a global and a global thing, like if, right. If one major country has drastically different copyright laws than the rest, then it could affect artists' ability to perform in those countries, to right. record things in those countries. So it's kind of like either they all have to be on board or it doesn't work.
1: So it's like a baseline set of rules, I imagine.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what the, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act did in, in basically codifying these UN treaties is it criminalized um, the... Replication or reproduction or dissemination of uh, intellectual property digitally. Basically, it makes you know torrenting and downloading things off the, the internet illegal.
1: So I guess this is kind of an extension then on the one from the seventy-six
0: sort of because yes because it adds more
1: modernization i guess to it exactly
0: it's we'll, we'll, we'll get to the one that was kind of more of the direct extension but this was kind of like an addendum uh, to that act that kind of involved the okay now that people can just steal shit off the internet digitally now that people can
1: copy that floppy
0: exactly now that people can copy that floppy we need to make that illegal <laughs> so they that so
1: so that the rap song means something
0: yes <laughs> So the Digital Millennium Copyrights Act was passed in 1998 alongside this other act called the Copyright Term Extension Act. It's also known as the Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act, and I didn't even know this, but okay, so you know you who know Sonny Bono is, right, Peter? Yeah. From Sonny and Chair. Yeah. Because apparently, I'm still a baby, uh, apparently he was a congressman, and I had no idea.
1: I, I knew he was like the i want to say like the mayor of palm springs or something for a long time
0: yeah Hold on. Um, Google you can Google fact check
1: me on that i knew i didn't know he was a congressman though
0: yeah i um you're right he was the mayor of palm springs and he ran for senate in 92 but didn't get the nomination uh, and then he was elected to the House of Representatives in 1994 to represent California's 44th political district. Okay, so, basically, this act that was named after him, uh, what it did was it, quote, froze the advancement date of the public domain for works covered by the older copyright rules. So basically, under this act any works made in 1923 or after that were still protected by copyright in 1998, as in, like, they didn't expire between then and now, or then and then and then. Right. They wouldn't enter the public domain until January 1st, 2019, or later. Hmm. And part of the reason for this, and we'll get into that in a sec, is because uh, the original Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse motherfucker... was (laughs) was <laughs> that
1: was the original working title
0: yes was uh appeared in 1928 and would have basically within a couple of years of that act being passed would have went into the public domain and then people would have done terrible things to mickey mouse
1: my initial thought was well was does this cover a, a, a year range that it didn't before and in, in order to protect this but no I think it's literally it, just extending it. Yeah, it's. It sounds like it's
0: basically taking anything that was uh, still under copyright back in 1998.
1: Oh, this basically just tacked on another 20 years to it.
0: Basically, It basically, basically just said, "Okay, from here on, this gets all these things get another 20 year extension." Got it. Because Mickey Mouse appeared in 1928, and it would have expired in like. 2000 or something or whatever 2004 it then remains copywritten until the year 2024 okay like we said the act was named after congressman sonny bono in part and in part because he died nine months before the act became law Hmm. and i guess prior to his death he had been one of 12 sponsors of of a similar bill um and then i guess so it was like
1: named in honor of him then
0: exactly because he did got it a big reason for this act passing wasn't just Sonny Bono dying. Basically, since 1990... <laughs> like, well, he's
1: dead, so we have to do it.
0: Yeah, that does happen in Congress sometimes. Come on. It's like so, something's unpopular, and then a congressman dies, and they're like, well, he wanted to do it, so we gotta
1: do it. It's what he would have wanted.
0: Yes. Um, so, basically, since 1990, the Walt Disney Company had been lobbying Congress for copyright extension. The reason being was that the the legislation would delay uh, the entrance of Mickey Mouse animations into the public domain. So, since and that this includes kind of
1: just the character by himself too, right?
0: Yeah, it includes the character, any you know animations that were created around that time. Uh, Steamboat Willie, obviously being the most famous. Right. So, because they didn't basically didn't really make any secrets about this, a lot of detractors. Uh, or critics uh, ended up nicknaming the the act the quote Mickey Mouse Protection Act because it was basically, That's all basically what were, it like, was. we're like okay this is basically just here you know uh, an extension to protect you know Mickey Mouse which by 1990 was you know was already a juggernaut of a company. What I didn't know though, and I was just reading about because I don't do enough research when I make episodes. Is that co- Disney even had? Oh, you mean hand- like literally right
1: now? You are just reading it.
0: Yes, <laughs> Di- uh, Disney even had a hand in the 1976 uh, Copyright Act.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Getting getting the extension of copyright. So basically, Disney's been you know kicking the can down the road, so to speak, for the last 50 years, just single handedly getting Congress to keep pushing copyright you know, lifespan extension with the purpose of basically protecting their intellectual property.
1: I wonder, I, I I'm curious what like the implications are of this in the, it, just ignoring Disney itself. Mm-hmm. Cause I assume that's like extending it for everybody, right? Yeah. So there's any- a lot of stuff that's not being put into the public domain for a lot longer than normally would be the case because of Disney. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I'm just curious what kind of, like, things over the years and in the coming years, like, have been restricted in terms of the dis- distribution of certain, like, either music or movies or whatever. Because, like, they're still locked up because of this, of these things.
0: Yeah, I mean, music from, the, like, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, if they hadn't extended the act, probably would be public domain by now. Stuff like Elvis, I guess. Because... I mean, yeah, he has an estate or whatever, but he died a long time ago. He died. He died in the '70s. Uh, however, in addition to Disney's influence, and obviously, this act in 1998 wasn't just solely Disney. There was a lot of other major lobbyists, including uh, people from you know Warner Brothers, people from the record industries. So there was a lot of big uh, so money. So they were all kind of this.
1: yeah, joining hands together.
0: I guess when Sonny Bono died, his wife. Mary Bono ended up basically kind of taking over his seat in Congress. Oh, wait. um can you do that? That's what happened at, oh no John John McCain when he died, I don't think his wife took over. I think they just named a successor and then they had like uh-huh. a special election to uh that you know that November or whatever to replace him. interesting, but so yeah, Mary Bono took over his seat, and then I guess while speaking on the floor of the House of Representatives, she said, quote, actually, Sonny wanted the term of copyright protection to last forever. I am informed by staff that such a change would violate the Constitution. And, uh... (laughs) As you know, there is also Jack Valenti, who was the president of the uh, MPAA, or Motion Picture Association of America. Uh there is jack valenti's proposal for the term to last forever minus 1 day perhaps the committee may look at that in the next congress
1: jesus dude
0: that's this, this is a good opening for the debate between me and you i wanted to talk about this like at what point does it kind of just become stupid
1: well the point where you get politics involved i think is a good I'm place sure. to
0: start I love that she's literally like, he wanted the copyright to be forever, but oh, that pesky constitution getting in the way of us making profit.
1: Yeah, so basically she's looking for a loophole in the constitution. Is she trying to protect his music uh, after his death? or
0: I'm sure they felt strongly about it since, you know, Sonny made a lot of money off the recordings of Sonny and Cher from the 70s. But like, think about that. Sonny and Cher made, you know, made all their hits in, like, the 70s and maybe early 80s. And then Sonny died in 1998. And yeah. before his death, they basically got the act to extend the life of his personal music recordings from the 70s to be in copyright and, and not go into the public domain for, like, a hundred years. Yeah, And that still wasn't good enough. It's like, does he want, like, his great-great-great-grandchildren to, st- to still be, you know, making profit off his music? Like, at what, you know, at what yeah. point does it just become, like, ridiculous?
1: So my, I guess my thoughts about the whole political silliness of the whole thing, I guess, looking beyond mm-hmm. just that one act, is, because you said Disney's thing got pushed out to 2024? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean that still gives them five years to push it out again, which I would not be surprised at all if it did happen. Yeah. Um I I'm don't think Considering
0: they're... Congress can't do shit right now, like literally at all. I'm kind of actually curious if they're gonna be able to band together and do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's um I I, I know that Disney's not gonna take that lying down. And not be gonna be like, well we did it twice, whatever, it's enough. I guess to kind of tying back to what I was saying earlier, of like, it's. I'm curious how this is going to affect, uh, like, the proliferation of creativity and culture over time in the long term, mm-hmm. when everything is tied up in all these copyrights because of all these juggernaut companies kind of playing ping pong with legally and,
0: and and just the fact that I mean, Disney is actually a very good example. Of these companies merging and buying up the intellectual properties of other companies right it kind of calls into question like you know at what point can a creator of a good once a creator of a good stops being able to make money off that thing at what point is should it just be publicly available you know
1: yeah well i think from the perspective of these companies the, their answer to that would probably be we'll make it available once it stops making us money
0: mm. um there's a there's an interesting quote by a, a guy who uh i guess was a what's the word was a critic of the this 1998 act that was passed it was an attorney United States attorney Jenner, Jenny L Dixon and she's uh, that's a girl right yeah <laughs> and she says that quote The United States has always viewed copyright primarily as a vehicle for achieving social benefit based on the belief that encouragement of individual effort by personal gain is the best way to advance public welfare. However, the U.S. does not consider copyright as a natural right. Basically, what she's saying is that the point of copyright is to encourage, like you said, encourage creativity. But because people know the, that I, they
1: can make stuff and it's going to be
0: and it's going to make the money, it's going to make the money
1: and it'll be protected for at least some period of time.
0: But she's basically saying, like, because, you know, this this was established simply as, you know, a way to advance public welfare by allowing people the ability to make money off of their creative goods. But at the same time, it's not. Considered an inalienable right, like the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, basically the Bill of Rights. Right. Um. So, so, you know, at what point is this right considered so highly in regard, alongside these other rights, that it ends up becoming detrimental to the public good? Which is kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Does the right for someone to make Uh, money off of their creative work supersede say someone else's right to freedom of speech.
1: Yeah. And I think I don't, I, at least for me, I don't, I don't think I can answer that or, you know, or, or even my version of that question earlier on, like, I don't know exactly how to measure whether maybe we haven't gotten to a point yet where copyright law has really impacted us negatively as a society. But maybe it has in ways that we wouldn't even imagine unless we were in that situation. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Um uh, and there's a lot here that we did not get into, because I mean it's an yes. incredibly complex topic. Um we did cover a lot though. And I think we made some good points. So if you own the copyright to something listeners, tell us on Facebook. At facebook.com slash get your funk. And we promise not to violate that copyright.
0: Sorry to get all legalese on you listeners. Hopefully this wasn't too boring, but uh Well they knew I it going into it
1: from the title, I guess.
0: True. We should title it something deceptive, like uh, like how YouTube does to get more clicks.
1: You like, won't believe the copyright shits that Disney's Di- doing.
0: Disney sues funk radio for copyright. Number three will shock you. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, um, this has been your host, Kyle.
1: And this has been your host, Peter. And one last thing that we need to say is uh, go to getyourfunk.com. Do it. Uh, to look at our other, or I guess to listen to our other episodes, including a bunch of ones that we mentioned offhand in this conversation.
0: Yep. So this has been your uh, trademarked host, Kyle. And this has been your public domain host, Peter.
1: Thanks for listening. And you will listen next
0: time. Bye. Bye, we love you.